Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So about five weeks ago, I had a question for quite a few dads at our vacation Bible school. And the question was this, how's your lawn? Things weren't looking good. I had asked this question because my own grass looked, well, neglected, malnourished, dehydrated, brown. I could keep going. But I was not alone in my plight. Many of the dads on the receiving end of my question kind of chuckled to themselves and admitted, you know, the grass could be greener on my side of the fence. Thanks be to God, here lately, right? Rain has come down from heaven to accomplish God's purpose. When you see rain, do you think about God and His hand in it? Is it a reminder of His providence in your life. It should be. Rain isn't something that's just arbitrary, that just happens without a sender. But it's an intentional blessing that comes from above, from God, for your benefit. And when it comes, we know it makes a real difference. Watering through other means helps, but nothing compares to the rain that God sends. It is a true blessing. Today's Old Testament reading from Isaiah chapter 55, Yahweh compares His Word to a refreshing rain. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes from my mouth. It shall not return to be empty, but it shall accomplish that for which I purpose and shall succeed for the thing which I send it. Like the rain, the Word is not some arbitrary thing that just happens. The Word is not just menial information or questionable opinion with no purpose. But rather, it's an intentional blessing that comes from above. It has a sender. It's an intentional blessing from God for your benefit. And maybe like the rain, we take the Word for granted. And we forget that when that word comes, it makes all the difference for us, for our faith, for our life. God's word is a means of grace. It is a spirit-filled source of life, well-being, refreshment, restoration, salvation. It accomplishes God's purpose. And what is that purpose? To reverse the curse of sin, which has brought with it the corruption of God's creation. You guys know that uh, Genesis 3 recalls and records the subsequent fall into sin, where Adam receives word that the creation in general and the ground specifically would be cursed because of him. So this is part of the curse. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life, that is, from the earth. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you and shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust. And to dust you shall return. Notice that sin not only produces thistles and thorns and parched land in need of God's care and in need of God's providence and His reign and His refreshment, but sin has also corrupted, infected us, leaving us caught in the dust of spiritual and physical death with no way to revive ourselves. No way. 
born and captive to sin, there is no life or faith in us. So we desperately need God's word to enliven us, to give us life. Thankfully, God provides that abundantly. Throughout history, God doesn't make it a secret. He pours out His Word. He reveals that to, to many people in various ways to refresh and give His people life. And I think of this Word, it's kind of like a weed and feed, right? The law is there to bring us to repentance, to produce repentance, to turn us away from sin and death and the power of the devil, and instead turn to God's forgiveness and steadfast love where we find our sustenance, our restoration in life. And all the prophets, all the word, points to the word of Christ. Even today this happens, right? It happens. God calls ministers of the word to proclaim that word in its truth and purity, law and gospel, proclaiming God's steadfast love and covenant of peace in Christ. Throughout Isaiah especially in the chapters leading up to our text today, there is a lot about the Word. And there's a lot about the fulfillment of that Word. Isaiah 53 speaks of Christ, who is a suffering servant, the suffering servant, who bears our griefs, carries our sorrows, pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, receives chastisement upon Himself that brings us peace and heals us by His wounds and we're in a sorry state we like sheep have gone astray Isaiah 53 says and have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him that is the suffering servant the iniquity the sins of us all I don't know if you've ever had time to read Isaiah 53 but it shows in shocking detail Christ's passion and cross but it also proclaims the result of that passion and cross, many to be accounted righteous. In the parlance of today's text, no longer do we lay in the dust of death, but rather in the flood of Christ's blessing that He brings to us by shedding His blood and sweat on Calvary and rising to life again. I don't know if you know that Lenten hymn, Come to Calvary's Holy Mountain, but it speaks in the language of today's text from Isaiah 55. Come to Calvary's holy mountain, sinners ruined by the fall. Here, a pure and healing, what's the next word? Fountain. Flows for you, for me, for all. In a full, perpetual, that means it keeps going, never dries up. In a full, perpetual tide, opened when our Savior died. How's your faith? Because of God's Word and because of the Word of God made flesh, Jesus, God's peace, compassion, restoration, love, and life rest on you through that Word. And God will not remove that Word. It will endure forever. It's there. It's there to receive. Here's what he says in Isaiah chapter 54, again, talking about the Word. So he's talking about the suffering servant, and then he's saying, there's always going to be that Word there for you. The mountains may depart, the hills may be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you, and my covenant of peace, which is the gospel, shall not be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. When you hear the word, God is having compassion. He is pouring out compassion. 
Not everybody wants that compassion. Not everyone believes that word or cherishes it or thinks that it does anything. In fact, in chapter 53, Isaiah puts it this way. Who has believed what he has heard from us? Not everyone. And this leads to this question. Why are some saved then and not others? Our text for today makes it clear that it is God's work when it works. Because God's word does work. It does what God sends it to do. It accomplishes his purpose through his power. God is the one who creates and sustains faith by the Holy Spirit working through the word. Jesus has done what he needed to do. Now the word is proclaimed and God does what he is going to do through that word. But disbelief, we heard about Jesus and what he said in the parable. Disbelief is a work of our sinful flesh. It's a work of the world, right? It's a work of the evil one. Those are the things that Christ identifies that takes that working word and compromises. These things take and seek to take God's word from us. So Martin Luther warns us, even those of us who know the word, not to get overly confident and think we have the strength to carry on without the refreshment of that word. The devil ceases neither night or day to sneak up on you, Luther says. He writes that in the large catechism. To kindle in your heart unbelief, wicked thoughts. Therefore, you must always have God's word in your heart, upon your lips, and in your ears. For where the heart is idle and the word does not make a sound, the devil breaks in and does damage before we are even aware of it. How's your faith? I ask this because sometimes my faith looks neglected, malnourished, dehydrated, brown, dry. And yours sometimes does too. What's the solution, brothers and sisters in Christ? Pick yourselves up by your bootstraps? Not quite. At the beginning of the chapter for today, Yahweh makes a glorious invitation, invites the thirsty, the hungry, the powerless, the hopeless, those unable to not contribute anything to salvation, to free to receive his word fully and freely for refreshment, restoration, life, faith. Come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money... Come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. And then this question. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? In other words, doesn't really give you food, it doesn't really give you health or life. And your labor for that which does not satisfy. And then he says this. Right? Often we hear the word as nourishment, refreshment. Listen diligently to me. Listen and eat what is good. So it's this metaphor that when we're Listening, we digest the word of God. Delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear. Come to me here that your soul may live. Seek the Lord while he might be found. Call upon him while he is near with that word. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that the Lord may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. The word 
as refreshment and life and a source of sustenance. It's a theme that's throughout Scripture, and Jesus picks up on this when He stands up and cries, If anyone thirsts, let him come to Me and drink. Whoever believes in Me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And Jesus said this about the Spirit, whom those who believed in Him were to receive. The Word has won your salvation. And the Word uh, points to Jesus who has won your salvation. And it's not only that, it's the power of salvation. It produces, if you hear Jesus, the abundant water of refreshing faith our parched hearts and minds desperately need. And it does so by the power of the Holy Spirit working through that Word. That is why God's will and purpose is that you receive the Word often with open hearts and minds so that understanding, pleasure, devoutness, pure hearts, godly thoughts may flow from its working. The word is so effective, Luther writes, that wherever it is heard and used, it never is to be without fruit. For our text today, for today we have a beautiful ending. It is a reality now, but it is a glimpse of the end goal reality of the new heavens and new earth without remainder, of God's word working to the end to accomplish its final goal. And what does that look like in creation? No more malnourished grass. No more dust of death. Instead, a blossoming, sprouting new creation as we live each and every day fully immersed in God's Word and the Word of God made flesh in Christ. And here's the picture that the prophet gives. Now, keep in mind, this is true for today, but it's true without remainder in the new heavens and the new earth. For you shall go out in joy. And be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing. Picture it. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Amen. Now may the peace that surpasses all human understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.